Hello and welcome back to After Office Hours. Today we have with us a digital platform leader from 3M. He's been with 3M for 13 years now, plenty of experience under his belt. We are so excited to have Andy Boyd with us for the next couple of episodes. You're going to notice these next few episodes will take a bit of a different structure. Uh, Our podcast recording with Andy was a staggering two hours full of rich content, and we really want to make sure that you listeners are able to soak up as much as possible from each of the topics that we hit. So today's topic for this segment is going to be based around the virtual professional world we are currently moving towards. So to kick it off, Andy, based on your personal experience and professional experience, where do you see the future of the workplace going? It's it's interesting um, because there are decisions that get made um, and things that that happen that you don't like have any control of. Yeah, like um, working in a virtual world, right? Yeah, I mean that's a that's an interesting situation in itself because of course that like came out of left field. I mean I spent like five six years in like yeah. you know like corporate life, right? I mean like mm-hmm. go to the office every day nine to five. Um, and like, that was work. Like, that's the weirdest thing to me. I, I'm still like, this is, this is where I'm, this is where I am at every day. Right. I mean, for the most part, I do find that honestly, like there is a need to get back in person and like be social, especially for me. I'm like a, you know, pretty straight, significant, um, like extrovert. So I get a lot of energy from being around people and, um, And it's much harder, like as easy as it is to use Teams and collaborate, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you guys experienced I was actually one of the questions I had for you is like, you know, if you reflect back on certainly again in your in your experience at UMD, you had like half the college experience and then pretty much half this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so like what are the biggest differences that you've noticed? as being kind of a student and like a professional, right? And, and both of you have interacted with companies like large organizations. What's that, but what's that been like? For me personally, um, the transition into online, it, there was too many other things going on to truly digest like what was happening. The transition was just kind of roll with the punches and make do with what was at hand. But then the transition out of being virtual, especially for classes, That was difficult. Um, I just took an exam now and did not do as hot as I probably would have from home, not only because like, yes, you're in a more comfortable environment and everything, but the learning curve of going back into the classroom has been very, uh, very difficult. The attention, I feel like my attention span is lower. Um, I've been more fall semester. I was much more fatigued at the end of the day, just because I was interacting with people And I'm an extrovert too, where I feed off of groups and I love being around large groups of people, but oh my gosh, in the fall, I was sleeping like a baby every single day after I got done done with classes. So it's, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love being in person. I would not want to go back to virtual, at least for school. Um, I'll be working remotely for my job or hybrid, I guess. So I'm excited for that because I do enjoy getting my work done from the comfort of my apartment or home but I definitely um, missed the in-person aspect for college, at least. I don't know. Carrie's had both. She's working virtu- remotely now. So mm-hmm. that's uh, curious to hear your two cents. 
Yeah, I was similar to Kayla in terms of just from school point of view. I think I never thought I would want to go to school so bad until we had online school. And then being able to get back in the classroom this last fall, I was just like so grateful for that. Not even that I had a hard time with online school. And yeah, the flexibility was awesome. And getting to just wake up right before class was great. And, you know, but you don't get that connection. And I'm sure both of you know, like, yeah, I too am very extroverted. I build off other people. So I didn't like really create any connections in that year we were online. And, and which is just awful. I feel like basically that's what, that's what gets to me the most is that whole year that pretty much was lost that, that I didn't get to take advantage of and meet people that there's such awesome people at UMD. So that's why too, this past fall was so influential for me getting to go in person because I feel like just from the short couple months I was that we were in person, I met so many awesome people and got to work with them, which was huge, but I wouldn't have, I don't want to say I wouldn't have gotten it because you don't know how it would have gone. Maybe, maybe with, there would have been a bigger change in being able to network virtually in school, but I think it's, it just happens way less than in the career. So like for my career, I'm on calls with people all the time. I'm chatting with team members just to chat right before I got on this call. I was, I was on a call with a couple of my coworkers and we were just, just talking like it wasn't even like we weren't talking work stuff. We're just chatting. So I think it's from what I've seen, it's easier to work remotely or at least hybrid, um, in a, in a career than it is to do school remotely, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing both to a certain degree right now because I got, you know, about 65, 65% of the way through an MBA. So like I've been doing school since the fall of 2020 Mm -hmm. and, uh, I agree with you, uh, working, I don't know. There's just like, a. I never really thought about it, but like, there is a pretty, it's interesting. You mentioned that because there's like, there's a pretty distinct difference. I don't know. Maybe it's, the could be the relationships that you already have with the people you work with. And certainly like at school, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, you form different and Carrie, I'm sure you're experiencing this and Kayla, even like in your internships, but I don't know, you feel it form some slightly different relationships or bonds with people in a professional environment versus academic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that's in my opinion. And um, so I think maybe that's one of the things that makes it a little bit easier to do work. Also, it's kind of like one of those things that I mentioned in the beginning about, <laughs> you can't really control it, even if in the environment, like the culture. So culture is another kind of fun thing to talk about that you don't, oh, yeah you can't understand until you actually get into a, a company. And by the way, it's not just like go from being a student to a, you know, an employee. It's like literally every company culture is, is different. And mm-hmm. um, quite frankly, if you, if, if, again, if we think about ter- things in, in terms of financials, which, you know, every business with the exception of nonprofits and even them, <laughs> mm-hmm. then to, to like, you know, make a return, the amount of money, like the optimization of both, not just productivity, right? Because now there's no commute. Uh, even the internet and like phones and stuff, like, okay, you can work on the way to work, right? But it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not without, right? You're, you're main, so anyway, like you you have more time in the day. Your employees can be in theory more productive and you don't have to have the infrastructure, right? I mean, like you think about 3M, I mean, our corporate campus is own zip code. So and some of that certainly is laboratories, right? We have a science 
technology company. We've got plenty of like laboratories and whatnot, and certainly we have plant workers. But like, think about St. Paul, you know, at corporate campus, uh, there's a lot of space that there's some people that are going back, but the culture is like our culture is all about what they call work your way, which is what it says it is, right? I mean, it's you basically whatever works for you is what works for you. I mean, obviously you got to be present. You have to, I have to, it's like, but for me, much I like seeing people at convenience. So Carrie, when you're talking about the convenience of, it's not necessarily just wait, it's, it's the convenience of like, again, you add at least me, I like 30 minutes, you know, to my day on both sides, especially in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, there's the flexibility too. I mean, little things like, you know, taking out the garbage. I, I mean, like, you know, the flexibility to be able to get chores or tasks done around the house. Um, and then also like from a fitness perspective, I mean, it's just a lot easier in my opinion to be able to make sure that health is a priority. Now, quite frankly, I've had to learn balance because I just go like, I'll, I get too focused, right? Not, nobody lifts me up from the work or the computer. I spent four hours, all of a sudden I look up, I'm like, I need breakfast. Like, So you gotta be careful. Like, I think that's one of the other things too, is again, when you don't have that human interaction, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you, you kind of, it's easier to get in the zone, right? And there's not people that might, which by the way, is a miss because it's nice to connect with people and go get a coffee or whatever, right? And you get that a little bit with, with school as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super weird, uh, but like convenient. I mean, I, I'm so far like mostly remote. It's just kind of a super kind of weird thing to happen in life. And uh, there's certainly been benefits, um, and like, you know, the flexibility to work really kind of changed the way work is for the rest of our lives, I would expect. Oh, um, but at the same time, you really have to be intentional about creating relationships because otherwise, right. you know. Yeah. So how you did, you have, or you used to work in the corporate office or you were an in-person worker and it's like, you got a little chunk of that for a few years and now you're remote. So you just touched on culture a little bit. How has that changed a lot going from being in person to being remote? Or are you like seeing that culture carry over now that you're fully working remote? Or did it change? Um, you know, it's, I would say in general, it went 180 degrees. I mean, mm-hmm. the culture at 3M was uh, um, like towards the end, <laughs> the end, uh, towards March, you know, what do we, what do we shut her down? 2020? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Leading up to that, and I have been now I've been in two different business groups. I started in field sales, right, which is the ultimate, which is pretty much right. I mean, we, we it's awesome. Uh, best company, best job in the company. So funny when I started. Let's go to the ditch. I like take you on a sidebar. When I started the company, the first time I ever went to like a new hire kind of networking thing, talked to a bunch of marketers and business like people like me, a couple eight, nine, ten years into their career, and they're in St. Paul out there at corporate. And that started in sales. That's why they put us around him. And I like couldn't find a one of them that wasn't like, you know, that's a good question. What what's been your favorite kind of position? A hundred percent of the time, it's sales. Yeah, field sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be like, well, why'd you leave? Well, here I am. Right. You want to do more. You want to make a bigger contribution, or you want you know something different. I mean, everybody has training. I mean, you name it. There's a variety of different avenues, but it really, really was. And one of the things that was beneficial is that freedom. Right. But at the same time, because I lived in New Hampshire the first couple of years of my career, um, you know, I was on an island. Uh, so I worked out of my apartment, had a company car and, you know, traveled a ton, explored. It was awesome. Um, but at the same time, very, very different than 
coming up to, you know, corporate. So I spent three years in the Northeast. I would say, I, you know, born and raised here. I was selling paint cups to uh, disposable paint cups to anybody that was using a paint gun to spray anything from a car to a bus to an airplane to a truck to a boat. Turns out there's a lot of boating up there. It was pretty cool. Um, and then I went to Chicago, same role, lateral move, bigger sandbox, then up to corporate. And so about four and a half year tour, let's say in field sales before going up to be a product manager, taking on a product portfolio. Actually, that just won a Golden Step Award, which is our highest honored award uh, for getting 100 million. 100 million we, did, we broke $100 million in profitable sales in five years. So it's really, really good. Wow. Wow. And uh, but the difference to go back to your original question is, has the culture changed? Like, you know, it's kind of interesting because I had that that kind of experience at the beginning of my life. And again, field sales is just it's not just 3M. I mean, this is like field sales, right? I mean, it really tests you as a person. It developed me. I learned a lot about culture. And by the way, culture then was I'm from Minnesota and I went and I was making calls in the Bronx, you know, in Boston and Maine, Vermont, uh, New Hampshire. I lived in New Hampshire. So really like kind of helped accelerate, uh, uh, you know, the skill around like being a chameleon. Um, I always like that. That was the best way for me to like be able to explain and internalize because I could start the week and be talking to somebody like it's like a Midwestern or Minnesotan people from New Hampshire, are probably about the closest to what I was used to. Mm-hmm. You know, on Tuesday, I'd be in Vermont and in Vermont, like if it doesn't get done today, you know, maybe we'll get it done. Like, I don't know when we get it done. I mean, there's just no kind of sense of urgency. It's very laid back and chill. And then Wednesday, I can be in like the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority selling paint guns to you know, guys repainting the subway cars and a little bit different than Vermont. And then on Thursday, I could be in like, you know, Jersey, New, New Jersey or, or the Bronx and then Manhattan or the boroughs or whatever. And like, it really gave me a really big introduction to like kind of the difference you can experience in culture. It was super uncomfortable at first because it was like a melting pot. But I think that prepared me for going from somebody that is extroverted and like I loved being out in the field as a field salesperson. But then like when I moved back to St. Paul into corporate, the culture was, by the way, you got to go back like seven, eight years. <laughs> culture was a lot, <laughs> a lot of khakis, a lot of button up blue shirts <laughs> um, and people that quite frankly did the like, you know, seven to four thirty or five. I mean, it was like my boss was, you know, self self-proclaimed old school. Mm-hmm. And my boss in St. Paul, and, and he was like, you know, it's like you show up every day for work. Yeah. You go to work every day, right? And if you, and it, <laughs> he got uncomfortable with me because I, I, I actually had a bigger impact being able to sell and teach and train and be in front of customers. Like that was how I drove my business because it was established business, paint cups, big business, actually, painting cars, painting a lot of different things, great business. Um, but I was most effective being in front of customers. So I still like traveled probably 25, 30% of the time, which kept me grounded. Like I really crave that and I need it. And I still get energy from being in front of customers, spend too much time, you know, not around getting input from customers and I get cranky, but the culture, like, you know, if I look at it back then where it was very, and even let's say leading up to the progression, which was 2020, March of 2020, mm-hmm. it started to change. All right. Like, and I was in two different business groups. I was in consumer business group kind of leading up to actually the pandemic and that culture, the culture and the division, uh, construction home improvements, both of them are great automotive aftermarket, which is where I'm back now, but I mean, great people, but like it was very much kind of more laid back. And so Mm -hmm. it was more culturally kind of acceptable leading up to the pandemic to work from home Friday, or if you had like an appointment, you know, 
if you have kids or whatever, like, I don't know, it was just, there wasn't a kind of, and, and it might've been even made up. I think you go to it, get to a certain point and you like feel internally, like you, you feel anxiety or guilt if you're not there, if you feel like, anyway, yeah. it becomes more of a mind game and, and less people kind of outwardly say, hey, listen, like <laughs> you don't want to be here Monday and Friday, just call in, right? I mean, like work, work your way, work what works. And so the pandemic and then kind of pushed to I me, mean, I feel like that was happening, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. because of the internet, because of technology, because of the, you know, realization that everybody's connected and everywhere they go, you know, physically to have to be somewhere, it's all about then just timing and like being present or engaged. And if you can do that from another location, like you shouldn't look down on somebody uh, or you shouldn't like, if you really need to have a meeting in person, like to spend the time, then be purposeful about that. And that's what I think is the perfect hybrid is like, there are significant benefits. And like culturally, again, we've gone 180 degrees from, I went from feeling like I had to be in the office to, I'm very clear, I don't have to be in the office. I'm more than happy to go in. And like, if we're going to have like a whiteboard session, or if we're going to have like a purposeful agenda, but you just go there and have a meeting, unless you're, you know, again, like, then I'll just do that here. Right now, yeah. I think it is important. Like we try to do this, uh, you know, just to connect and grab lunch or grab happy hour or whatever. Again, to maintain what we were talking about earlier is to maintain that home human touch. But in 12 years at 3M, I mean, I feel like I've ridden like the roller coaster of culture. Right, I had the ultimate freedom, mm-hmm. <laughs> lost all the freedom, if you will. You know, I had several years, kind of started to gain it back. The pandemic has happened, and and now mm-hmm. I'm like swung to the other way, right? Where I'm like, well, hell, I'll be in my home office from nine to five every single day instead of being in the office. And so I think really that it would, it's a balance, right? It is, and it works different, I think, for every team and every culture. Uh, but I think you let the people figure that out. And that's mm-hmm. the best case scenario, like trying to give direction, in my opinion, in a business. Now, obviously, yeah. physicians and people that are required to be physically present, it's a completely different situation. Like, mm-hmm. in, like field sales, situation. right? Yeah. Yeah. With, so with like the frontline internship, I know you work pretty heavily on the frontline internship for 3M, their intern program. There's a lot of field sales with them. How do you, do you see field sales diminishing at all? Or are you guys going to keep building up on 3M side since 3M's like a pretty big dictator of what the rest of corporate world does? You kind of set the trend <laughs> for lack of better terms. So like, do you see field sales sticking around with all this remote convenience hang, uh, emerging or where's that going to go? Well, I'll give you my opinion. I, my current role um, is I'm a digital kind of pl- platform leader. I mean, I do wear a lot of different hats as any, I'm a very, I'm an entrepreneur. So over the last like four years, I've been in roles that have been very commercialization, business building, and just so happened to dip my toe in the water with software and using hardware and software together, sensors, connected, mobile apps, um, which has given me the conviction. I mean, this is, again, take you into the ditch for a minute, but I think an important thing, like mindset, which was bestowed on me about three years ago when I started on a connected, launching our first smart home device. So similar role, but in consumer, now I'm in collision repair. But in that role, you know, I had to learn a lot about like, what is software? Why is it important? How do you make products out of it as a hardware material company? And there's a guy named Mark Andreessen and there's a podcast. Well, it's actually, it's A16Z is his venture capital uh, firm's biggest in the world. It's, uh, 
he is in the World Wide Web Hall of Fame, and he's one of six people, right? And he ultimately invented Netscape, which is basically the modern day web browser. So he has yeah. this like kind of thesis, and you, he, uh, he revisited it. He wrote it in 2011, but revisited it in 2019. There's a great 59 second interview with him mm-hmm. podcast where he basically says three things in 2011, which is every product that can become a software product, product or service that can become a software product will become a software product. Uh, as such, any company that makes those product or services must become a software company, and ultimately the best software company will win. Well, I mean, literally seeing this unfold coming at 3M, right? I mean, I literally, we are a material science company that I've rode the, ridden the wave of as we like realize how much we need to use software in order to kind of improve our value proposition, differentiate the services and the value that we add to the customer. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, um, how you continue to compete longer term. I mean, subscription economy is like insane. I mean, I don't care if it's sandpaper. People are, would, you know, just deliver it to me when I need to and I'll pay for what I use. Right. I mean, yeah. And it's happening in collision repair. And so anyway, so the long way of me saying in the last four years, you know, I've been different business groups, different, now I'm in collision repair, same thing, just managing all the 3M materials that come in and out of the collision repair shop and then help the shop get paid for them, which just helps you create, get a safer repair as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm leading now, but my lens, right. From a sales perspective, I don't, uh, let's say I'm not, I'm not all in the middle of, let's say building a sales team. I have a sales organization that I interface with on a daily basis of 105 people. So I do have experience with some of our sales management. I would mm-hmm. say this long way to get to your, uh, question, which was, is 3M, you know, going to continue to invest in field salespeople, mm-hmm. but I'll speak from collision repair. Right. So business to business organizations that we have always have a sales force. So mm-hmm. we're a business to business organization because we ultimately go call on distributors of our products who sell to collision repair shops. Quite frankly, a collision repair shop is a business as well. So we're really B2B to B. And, you know, the consumer is ultimately the customer. And, and sa- same, same with the air, air quality monitors. But instead of selling through B2B to B, we sell through retailers over there. We have salespeople. We continue to hire and onboard that serve customers like Walmart and Target. Key, those are more key account teams, by the way. This is a lot of the kind of different variation of sales. Key account teams. In my current position, we have salespeople that call on distributors and they call on collision repair shops and they're demonstrating the value of our products or introduce them. So I think the pandemic has underscored still in this industry the importance of having hands-on support. So there's a really, really big need for training and education, not just on mm-hmm. our products, but creating better processes, helping, sh- helping the, the, the shop. Like our, my, my product is really a business management solution. It's to help them increase their revenues by you know, getting paid for all the materials that they need and making sure that they're collecting on the labor. Like there's a lot of, of opportunities for them to, to be better, more profitable as a business. Um, and they have many, many challenges, including a, a labor shortage. So if they can pay their people more, then you can afford to pay people more. You can retain your talent. You can solve for some pretty interesting and awesome problems. But you can't do that. Honestly, we, we can't do that without salespeople. So in, in my situation, we're actually trying to, to hire more people so we can get more touch point. And I think it's really kind of industry by industry. But I think overall, you know, this year, um, we hired a lot more uh, field salespeople. I think we only brought into frontline two um, inside salespeople this year. Mm-hmm. And it's because we in, we've invested the last four years heavily in inside sales. And by the way, the last couple of years, if you can't reach your customer in person, you have no other choice. 
And so I think that again, there's this balance, and there's a you know if you if you're if I'm was going to build a sales organization, there is a healthy balance of hunting, hunting and gathering. Yeah. And where you have inside sales folks that can extend your reach, they they're again they're much more efficient. Mm-hmm. They can call you know 25, 30, 40 people a day. They can get the sales cycle started. They can probably when they get you know trained and they're competent, they can actually like sell. <laughs> they will mm-hmm. sell, right? You, they don't need to be in person. And so I think that there's a really, really, you know, big need for both. But in, in I don't see, and I, I don't know. I would I would say this is the case for our industrial market center, which is a couple hundred people. I mean, I just don't see, at least for an R lens, the need to scale back on field sales. Right? It's one of those the things like we talked about earlier that you do need to be kind of hands on. Um, at least with the stuff that we sell. And maybe that's, again, that maybe that varies by company. And again, I think a little bit easier to have um, a distributed Salesforce or digital Salesforce if you're purely a software as a service company, like Mm -hmm. if if your product is a service. Um, But I still think you're going to have, you'll still have salespeople. Maybe you just wouldn't have uh, as many, call it field salespeople. Right. And I think uh, one thing that I've thought of a lot too is, or the reasoning behind what I've said for why field sales is probably growing is because customers still want that face-to-face interaction. But have you seen it all, like it change that customers are now, they're realizing too, that so much can happen just over the phone or virtually. So I think initially when the pandemic hit, I viewed it as this is crucial time for salespeople to get face-to-face with customers if they're able to get in that business. Have you seen it change at all with customers now being like, wait a minute, I don't even need to see you. Quit coming in here. Have someone give me a call. I know you have people that do that. Mm-hmm. Let's just limit it and do that instead. Well, I'll say first, I think that, in my opinion, is literally the t- determination of value that you're able to create. If if it's easy, if it's if it's easy for the person to say, just email me or just call me or just whatever, you clearly haven't created trust or connection or value, or probably mm-hmm. all three. Right. So, you know, I think, I think to go to the first point, especially I learned this in the Northeast where people are literally the co- the pace at which yeah. people move is insane, especially from Minnesota. It took me like nine months. Mm-hmm. And, oh God, I wanted to weep when I got done with sales calls as people, because I, I would literally, they would be, what do you got kid? Like, well, I don't, what, I don't have time for you. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, like literally, and, and honestly, that was one of the things I came to appreciate about the cultures. They just, they tell you how it is. But I think to that, to your question is, is like, if that's the react kind of the reaction that you get, you, you have a very short window to like add value. And if mm-hmm. adding value, honestly, for the customer is, listen, I don't have time for you. Like just have somebody else call on me. That may, by the way, no early is as good as a yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I don't like, I remember Kratz uh, and actually Mike Bosworth used, used this line. I, this is a number of years ago, right? So kind of basic statistic. Um, I call it basic for sales from the standpoint of like buyers now do some like seven, like they, 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 they get themselves like 70% down the buying journey before they actually engage with a salesperson. Cause you, cause you can serve yourself, right. It's so, it's so convenient. Right. People are so used to their phone mm-hmm. that I think there's a, again, they, they kind of, they tech almost always know at least what they're looking for. And then they just need help getting across the finish line. Yeah. So I just like, I don't think that because of the pandemic, 
um, but that's, I guess, accelerated. I think, again, that's pre-pandemic. Just again, I hate to keep going, but it sounds like a tech junkie, but I mean, it's just true. People have devices and they, and they can serve themselves to a certain degree. And to be honest, I mean, a lot of people, especially people that are in manager roles or, or C-suites, like as a salesperson, you're typically calling a decision maker. Yeah. These people are juggling, right? They're spending a lot of plates. And so it becomes about time management for them, I think, as well. So the best way to kind of edge your way around that, I think, is a salesperson. Like if I was, and I had this happen, I had a guy, uh, Jim Coyle, uh, Boston Design. It was great. On Fridays in the summer, I would just use an excuse to go to the seaport because there was this big design. They use a lot of paint cups to make uh, uh, huge displays. Yeah, billboard, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But this guy, I went called on five times. It took me to be able before he came out, but I didn't care because I would just go in and like use it as an excuse to go hang out, you know, and have lunch in the seaport in between calls. And, but, but, you know, I, I, when I came in the, the previous four times and quite frankly, the fifth, I mean, I did leave a brochure, which everybody does. And is like, but I also said, you know, I tried to talk to the receptionist who just didn't have time. I finally got her to go and ask him to come out and he did come out. Mm-hmm. but I had 30 seconds finally it was like the persistence I had to like all right what well, geez how what do you have like how, what is so important that you could possibly come and try to see me five times and I had it nailed I was like I know that you would be interested in a paint gun that doesn't need to be cleaned and you uh you you can uh you know reduce the amount of material like I had a boom 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 and he did need that, right? I mean, so, and then I was, uh, yeah, okay, what do you have? And that was kind of how the door opened. So, you know, I think it's like, you do have maybe a smaller window, carry, where it's like, I think you still have to demonstrate to create value or you'll be given the opportunity, but maybe it's a smaller window again, because the buyer is educated. And, and honestly, in a lot of cases, they have a lot of options. Right. And it's easy to say, even from a business perspective that, you know, you order from Amazon, you know, I, I, it's just like uh, the availability of, of you know, kind of whatever you're looking for. You really, as a salesperson, you have to be able to create and add value. You've got to bring education. You've got to bring pricing, assortment, some, some kind of different, or you, right? I mean, that's the other thing too, is you can create a lot of value just by being yourself and helping, again, understand what it is you're trying to do. And by the way, I'll help you no matter if you use my stuff or not. I know you could at some point, but so I think there are small things that you can do you know, to try to keep the door open longer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that changes. I guess I just don't think, again, that that, to your point, you know, field sales roles are growing. There's a lot of job and the job market is wonderful. Um, And, you know, I think ultimately, you know, Kayla said, uh, people are, you know, looking to connect with people in general, I think, just Mm -hmm. given what the world been through the last couple of years. It's a great time to be in sales great it time is. to do sales it is sales is everywhere too which is also that's been fun to kind of watch um especially i'm grad graduating this may and it's just it's fun to watch kind of my other business peers kind of start to realize like you were right like sales or not me but like professors and stuff you're right that sales is everywhere like you're selling yourself the interview you're selling yourself your concept your idea why you should get a passing grade in the class <laughs> all of that good stuff wait till you get into your role i mean like you're talking about like selling to the customer i mean i i'm tap dancing every day right selling Mm -hmm. ideas uh selling a different strategy selling a budget expense i mean yeah you know um it's so i i 
I always say this, like when I speak to students, so this is my, uh, go to another question, you're like, so what is Frontline? Frontline's internship program, if you haven't figured that out, we started as sales, but it's marketing, uh, um, inside sales, field sales, and business analytics now. And UMD is the 14th and most recent partner university, uh, 2018, 2018, yeah. Um, and so like I always say, I always, I guess my mentality is, if you have the opportunity to to be face to face with the customer, you know, it's based on my experience. I think I had it. I was fortunate. It was terrifying, but it was fortunate for me to get you know go out completely outside my comfort zone and go to New England. Um, mm -hmm. But I just think that it's like there's so much early in your career. There's so much you don't know in the real world can teach you. And when you're in the real world every day and you're interacting with different people, again to that chameleon kind of concept. Like if you want to be really really good at sales, you have to create connection and trust. And the best way to do that is certainly authenticity and you got to be real with people. Don't get me wrong. Um, you, you absolutely right. That, that is one of the things that builds trust, but you know, to be face to, to be face to face and experience, you know, for engineers, you know, there's just so many different kind, types of people out there. And, um, and that's ultimately, I think what makes a creates long-term relationships, which you ultimately need to do with your customers. B it helps you influence. So like in my position with distributors, um, I need to influence their time away from the sandpaper guy or the tape guy or the, you know, glue girl or the packaging, you know, I was just like, we had a whole bunch of three Mers even, let alone these competitive lines. So why you spend time on my stuff? And, you know, and I, and I think you, you, it's like, you just continue to polish that kind of skill. You have to, right? I mean, it's how you, how you hit your goals, right? Or exceed your goals. And so like that face-to-face -face kind of customer experience at the foundation coming up into marketing, um, like I am always fighting on behalf of the, like I'm, I just, I have this passion for always trying to serve the customer first. And I think it's a good mentality for like, what problem am I solving? Mm -hmm. How much value am I creating? And then just let me extract some of that value. All right. So that is going to wrap up our first segment on the remote working world. I know I learned a whole lot from this episode from Andy, who has had obviously experience working in person, and now he's a remote worker. So he has great insight to share on what that's looked like for him. And for me personally, it gave me a lot of hope for the future of sales. Next episode, we are going to be diving into something that everyone experiences many times in their lives, and that is failure. So tune in to hear Andy talk about some experiences that he's failed and how to deal with those instances and how to overcome them. We're excited to share that with you and we will see you then.